all sinners. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. though melody akels welcome melody hey hey dan pierce welcome back you missed last week with my science segment you missed it and then you were like on twitter and you were like what could he have said so i don't know if you listened to it but we've got some more weird science today welcome dan i i i still need to check that out mel said it sent the whole podcast to hell it did and we I will was... not be revisiting it ever I... thank you i was very scared Mo, you were there. It wasn't as bad as Mel said. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Uh, well, you know, it, let's just say you had to be there. and that's all. I'll leave it at that. Listen, I had listeners who tweeted me who said that they loved it because it was a great laugh. And that's what we're here for. Let's kick things off by discussing the Game of Thrones, the latest Game of Thrones trailer. I loved it because Sansa basically bookends it. She's at the beginning and she's at the end. And it's an epic trailer. Mo, what'd you think? Yeah, I looked at it twice and I, I feel like it's, it's very much, like you said, it draws you into, uh, it lets you know that this is, this is it, you know, you know it's going to be epic battles. People are coming together finally. Um, you know, you're going to get your dragons, of course, which I, which I love. I think um, that I just kind of wonder if it feels like it just came too soon after the last one. I, I just, I don't know, but it, that, that could just be me. I think for me personally, I feel like they waited too long to put out the first one, and now they're having mm. to cram too much in before the premiere date, because that's coming up very shortly, and I'm actually going to be going to a Game of Thrones viewing party, so that should be fun. Mel, what did you think of the trailer? Um, I thought the trailer was great. You finally see um, all of the climaxes of the story. You're finally coming together. You know, everything we've been working for all of these seasons, as it should be when a show is starting to wind down. So um thought that was great. You see the White Walkers. You see Bran. Um, obviously, Khaleesi, her dragons, Tyrion, and the rest of the crew are finally getting closer to King's Landing. So we might get finally get that big showdown between... Cersei and Khaleesi and um, everyone else. So I'm really excited to see where everything uh, goes from here. As the tagline said, winter is here. It is no longer coming. It is here. So I expect everything to pop off. Cannot wait. Dan, I know you ha um, you haven't watched Game of Thrones or very, you much you, or very much Game of Thrones. Did you watch the trailer at all? No, I haven't seen anything from Game of Thrones. I feel like we need to have... I wish I had the sounder Dan. for the shame, shame, shame lady. Dan, remember Dan last time it. we told you to watch a show and you was hating and you didn't want to watch it? Here's this the thing, though. It's, it's, it's on a, like, a, an inaccessible channel. Like, that's a little different. It's like... Like, it, no, wait, wait, wait. pause for a second inaccessible is not an excuse it comes on an, a phone app a tablet app a tv app it's on your web browser and you can get it through your cable company that is not inaccessible 
Yeah, but when you also when you already have like the stars package, the Netflix, the like those things, they're adding up. <laughs> okay, okay. Speaking of stars, American Gods. Yes. You, you wrapped up the season. You were a fan of the books. What did you think of how American Gods turned out? I loved it. Um, I they obviously did a lot of reimagining uh, in terms of the storyline and how they incorporated the the acting performances and you know just bringing Laura back in that full capacity. Um, it, I thought they did a really really good job. Visually stunning. Um, there's a lot of things they hinted at for season two that I already know. I'm like, Oh, Oh, th- I know where this is going. This isn't going to end well for this character, this character. But the problem is discussing it. You automatically spoil everything because reading the book spoiled. Like this is one of those instances where reading the book might actually spoil the the television show, but in like a different way. Okay. But I, yeah, no, I I really liked it. Ricky Whittle and Ian McShane are so good. They're my only reason for watching because their chemistry is so amazing. I don't care about anything else. There will be other scenes that I will fast forward, but I will not fast forward their scenes. They are that good. Oh, they're they're so good. And honestly, like I know not a lot of people are super into Mad Sweeney, but I thought he was really, like, by the end, you were sort of endeared by his story. I, I hate Laura, though. Oh, she could just go away. I I can't stand her, her being dead, her being really into herself, and uh, she's the worst. But aside from that like i'm really eager to see more uh easter because i think that kristen chenoweth was born for this role holy cow is she good i haven't got that far in i think i'm on episode four i'm still catching up i've been working through grim and supernatural i'm caught up on the original so we can discuss the finale today so i'm still behind but pablo schreiber everything he's in He's just a chameleon. He does. He's so good in everything he's in. Mo, I know you're uh, caught up on American Gods. What do you think of the season? I kept waiting for Kristen Chenoweth to show up, and when she did, she delivered. That uh, last episode with her was magnificent. I need more of her and Jillian Anderson, because Jillian and you talk about a chameleon. Jillian oh. Anderson is a chameleon. When she showed up as Lucille Ball early on, then she was David Bowie. Ooh. And I didn't even recognize and, her in those characters at all. And she was Marilyn Monroe. She did Marilyn Monroe and David Bowie in the same episode. I mean, that's a chameleon right there for you. But, um, you know, I, it, <clears throat> Dan's right. I mean, they've created, like, whole... Uh, storylines, especially with Laura. And I'll be honest, Laura, it, it wasn't really until, I would say, maybe the seventh episode in which I, I started to really like Laura. After Laura's sort of special episode, you know, you, you know in which you find out how she came back to life. Mm-hmm. And Not so my forth. favorite episode, I must say. Yeah. For a fair with Dane Cook. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. 
That was hilarious. Seeing Dane Cook as like, oh yeah, I'm the best friend and I'm going to fix things while while uh, Shadow's in prison. And oops, now we're having an affair. Well, he fixed things all right. I mean, he, he fixed, fixed things her plumbing. So- yeah. He fixed her plumbing so much that they got ran over by a ca- uh, car while she was, well, Being actually plumbed. while she was, well, yeah, actually while she was unclogging him. Yep. <laughs> There's there's now, some images. If you for haven't you. watched American Gods, it can be both graphic in violence and nudity and sex. I've it is heard something. A lot about it. I've heard a lot of very, you know, what the is going on here in this show. The cinematography um, is fantastic. Says, everybody kinda says stick with it, but I didn't realize all these people were in there like Kristen Chittenweather, with oh now I wanna watch it. Jillian Anderson, oh now I really wanna watch it. So maybe I'll get around to it. Here, here's what you need to do. You need to cut a deal with Dan. He'll watch Game of Thrones, you'll watch American Gods, and then we'll all be good. Hey, wait a second, wait a second. That's committing to a six-season show. American Gods is eight episodes. Come on now. It's not our fault you started late. Oh! <laughs> well, I was going to say, Orlando Jones is really good. Yes, oh, he is. My he gosh. delivers. Oh, he Mr. delivers. A, yes. He delivers a soliloquy on how on um on African Americans and, and 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 them being brought over that just just blows you away in that second episode. It it is just fantastic. I mean, you've got to see that Mel. I mean, you you right. will just be blown away just by that alone. He convinces an entire boat of people to burn down the boat. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like with them on it. With them on it, knowing they're going to die. It's just like the most powerful thing you've ever seen. Ah, oh, he's so good. Mo, Doctor Who. I, I should have known that the moment I'm starting to warm up to Skeletor as <laughs> the Doctor and the fact that I really enjoyed Bill as the companion that they would go and screw it up. I had not watched, but then um, on Twitter, uh, Danny Roth, who's one of the editors at Sci-Fi or contributors at Sci-Fi Wire, I saw him on Twitter going off about how this is now the second person of color in a row that they've either killed or turned into a cyborg. And he was not happy about it. And when I watched it and I saw what he was talking about, I was a little bit surprised. Now, that's not to say that they that Doctor Who might not pull something off in the final se- episode of the season, but to introduce a character like Bill and in the second to last episode of the season type, t- turn her into a cy- cyborg? That was yeah. that was surprising. Yeah, I I did not see the side her oh i didn't expect her to be become a, a cyber usually they're called cybermen yeah. but or a cyber person but uh i kind of got a hint that that's where they were heading once they showed like things such as the antenna and 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 so forth uh but yeah i'm and, and especially that moffat uh, uh stephen moffat who wrote uh last night's episode wrote those episodes in which you were referring to and, and which Clara's uh, boyfriend ended up becoming a Cyberman, too. So, you know, I suspect, you know, something's going to happen because 
I think Bill is going to make it to the Christmas episode. I, I really have a feeling she's going to make it to the Christmas episode. You and think she she's will... going to be the the bridge between the doctors? I, I'll be curious. I'm, I'm not honestly. I'm not sure about that per se, but I have a strong feeling she will at least make it through the Christmas episode. Okay. I was just surprised. The Cybermen are not usually my favorite of the Doctor Who villains. Mm-hmm. But I was not expecting Bill to be turned into one at all. And I'm not sure that the reveal, which since this just aired last night, I won't go into it. But if you've been following the news, you know what happens. Um, the, the reveal about the return of a very famous villain. I'm not sure it was worth it to sacrifice Bill for that return, at least in the execution of that episode, which if it doesn't pay off in the season finale. It may not have been worth it. Did you think that it paid off? Well, I, if I hadn't seen so much promotional material beforehand, because we knew that this character had been coming up, they started, they they started teasing the return of this character, the first episode in a, in a trip in a, in a trailer. And then last, at the end of last week's episode, you know, they showed this like, five second clip or what do you mean five seconds like more like half a second clip of said character so we knew the character was coming in this episode it was just like through process of elimination we kind of figured out who the character was i mean you know i mean granted now it was like a gh style mask reveal when it occurred but you know you knew it was phase on (laughs) yeah yeah oh my um, so <laughs> it it will be interesting to see how that season finale plays out. Class um, had such an epic finale that after seeing that, I'm not sure that this season of Doctor Who can compare. But for me, it's more a matter of they have a lot of shit to fix after the, fi- the after last night's episode. They have a lot of stuff they are going to need to fix in the fi- the season finale that I'm not sure there's enough time to do it. We'll see. Mel, Orphan Black, since we record on Sundays, it's oftentimes uh, difficult to watch just the previous nights, but what did you think of the last week's episode? Um, Last week's episode, definitely thought there were a lot of good things that came out of it. So long story short is Sarah uh, got captured by Rachel and Neolution and everyone else, and they brought it to the lab, and it was a lot of them kind of coming to an understanding. Rachel said, look, I'll let you go. I'll let you go free, but here's the thing. We want Kira. And Sarah, in her true mama bear fashion, was like, not no, but hell no. And um, they kind of fought about that. But they eventually, you know, did come to an understanding where we'll let you go, we'll let all all the... Uh, clones go except for Kasima, and um, we, we'll keep a watchful eye on y'all. And y'all can be normal people, but I get Kira, and she wants to run tests on her, and you know, kind of see why she is basically the chosen child, and and why she is the way she is. Well, Sarah, Miss S, and Felix, they all went along with it for a little bit, but they eventually they were like, "Look, we got to get out of here. We can't be under this heifer's watchful eye. This is not gonna work." So they came up with this big plot where they were going to break free and they were going to break free while uh, they were doing it while Kira's at school. So long story short, Sarah dresses up as Rachel because Rachel is the one picking up Kira from school to run the tests on her. 
they all fought for it. It's a big to-do, and they finally get away from them. Now, what we don't know, well, what I forgot to mention, was that MK, another clone, has shown up, and she's been the most elusive clone. You know, she's gotten the most over on the illusion, and um, she's also dying as well, much like Asima, but, you know, they haven't given her a cure or anything. So she uh, came back into the picture this episode, um, and she had been working with Sarah, trying to get everyone free, and she really helped them out, um, trying to get Kira and everyone else out of there. Well, unfortunately, Sarah went back to try and get her before they could all get away, and MK was like, no, we're going to get caught because Ferdinand was following them. Ferdinand's the bad guy, guys. And um, uh, MK was like, look, switch clothes with me. We will, uh, I'll take the hit on this one. I'm dying anyways. It doesn't matter. Just get away. You and Kira, y'all get away. So that's kind of what happened with that situation. Unfortunately, MK ended up dying at the hands of Ferdinand. Spoiler alert. Uh, but I thought it was kind of a, a definitely an interesting way for her to go out because she had been definitely the one to put up most of the fights of the clones besides Sarah and the rest of them. Um, let's see what else happened. Oh, uh, Donnie and Helena in the hospital. Um, Helena is convinced that the neonatal physician is in her head she's thinking the illusion so she's like oh my god they're coming they're gonna take my baby's dna so the neonatal physician comes in and she wanted to do a uh, amniocentesis which involves a very long needle which i almost passed out over um and helena was like oh so you're gonna take my baby's dna mm-hmm, okay okay and then all of a sudden before you know what happens helena takes the needle and she jacks up the physician and she shoves the needle through her cheek oh my god I was screaming. I was screaming. But hey, she got away. Uh, that was definitely some comedy um, for the episode. Horror comedy. <laughs> well, it was. Um, and then uh, by the end of the episode, though, they actually pull it off Sarah, Felix, and Mrs. S, and Kira. But here's the kicker is that Sarah's like, all right, come on, Kira, let's go. Let's get in the van. And Kira's like, no, I don't want to go with you. And she throws this fit and she's telling her no 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 I don't want to go I want to know you know why I am the way I am and what is interesting is that Kira can feel all of the clones like she's connected to all of them so I thought that was super interesting and she knew that MK was dead and Sarah didn't say anything so she's saying no I don't want to go and then um Sarah's asking Felix and Mrs. S to, you know, to help her get her in and they're like no nah, Kira said she didn't want to go so if she don't want to go we'll just do what she says and I'm like what we're listening to the child but, you know, she kind of has the point because I understand if she wants to understand why the way she is and Sarah's really heartbroken over it. So there's a little dissension in the ranks now. So I definitely think that will carry over into the, the rest of the season. And this is the final season, so I want to see how it all plays out. Okay. Dan, you may not watch Game of Thrones, but do you plan on checking out the pilot of George R. R. Martin's upcoming Night Flyers? I got to be honest, I haven't uh, seen a lot on it. Uh, what's it about? So basically what's happening is Sci-Fi Channel is producing a pilot for his novella called Night Flyers. And basically it's a show about a ship that will feature eight Maverick scientists and um, a powerful telepath. They travel abroad the Night Flyer, which is the name of the ship, as a small crew and a reclusive captain. But when terrifying and violent events begin to take place, they start to question each other and surviving the journey proves harder than anyone thought. 
Now, to me, that sounds really cool if it wasn't for the fact that Sci-Fi already has Dark Matter on the channel, which is a crew of people who are facing all kinds of stuff that are somewhat similar, if not very similar. Yeah. <laughs> the formula, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. True, true. Uh, Mo, I, I when, gonna... when you hear that description, doesn't it sound a lot like Dark Matter? Well, it could be Dark Matter. It could Maybe be Firefly. Any... It could be Firefly. It could also... Um... It could be Space Cases. <laughs> oh, God. Now, you pulling one. You're going back in the way back machine with Space Cases now. Jeez. Um, I was going to say it could be Babylon 5 because they're talking about the telepaths. It could be um, It could be any number of sci-fi shows that they've, they've aired or have aired. I'm just wondering if they're going to have some Space Dragons. It's <laughs> George R.R. Martin. Um We'll see. I, I think sci-fi is looking for, you know, it, it, it's George R.R. R. Martin. He has a hit show on on um, HBO. If he has another property out there that he's willing to develop, I say, why not see what happens? I mean... And they're, and they're also sort of looking for their marquee. The Expanse is a very worthy heir to Battlestar Galactica, but it doesn't get near the recognition that Battlestar Galactica did. It doesn't get the ratings of a Game of Thrones. It doesn't have the pop culture impact of, say, The Walking Dead. Sci-fi is still missing that one series that gets everybody to tune in or the masses to tune in. Maybe this will do it for them. I'm not sure it will. All I know is when I'm reading that, I'm like, I just want my Farscape back. That's all I want is a Farscape. And there was rumors that that was happening, but then those, I mean, there was reports that that was, that we were going to get some sort of something in the Farscape world. And then that just all sort of disappeared into the ether. So I don't know. Well, Luke, I was going to say, you don't want a Stargate show to come back? If I have to choose between Stargate, I mean, I love Stargate, but if I have to choose between Stargate and Farscape, because we had Stargate, Stargate Atlantis, Stargate uh, Universe, I'm trying to think. No, it was that, was it. that was it. That was Universe was the last one. Yeah, we had three Stargate series. If I if they can't get back like the original crew with a new twist for their story, then I don't really need a new Stargate. I, I would love it, of course, but I don't need it. Whereas Farscape was so innovative and the characters and the world that they built was so imaginative. I can I can return to that world anytime and get a whole new set of stories. And so for me, that's why Farscape would be more important than Stargate. Let's talk a little bit about another season finale. Mo, the originals, it had its season finale. And I don't know what's going on, but Julie Pleck has been doing a really good job with between the Vampire's a Diaries season finale, or series finale and the original season finale. Both were pretty darn good, at least for me. What I've liked about the originals this season is the fact that the arc was strong and it built up really well. And they had um, the hollow concept was really good. And going into the daughter hope was a great concept. And now they've set up the season or next season to try and bring the Michelsons all back together somehow, because in order to save hope, each of the four original vampires had to take, a part of the hollow into them. I loved how they did that. What'd you think of it? I thought it was a really good, satisfying ending. And I, I 
agree. I like how things have progressed this season in terms of the relationship with Hope, her father. You see this growth that has occurred in Klaus. Um, and actually, the person who's been show running the originals this, this season wasn't Plaque. It was actually a gentleman by the name of uh, uh, Michael Narducci. And he actually wrote the, the, the last episode of the, of the season finale. And he's actually about to leave the originals. Um, and Plek is going to come in and, and, and run that, that show going forward. But I, I think it really has gotten back to what the, the originals was about, family. Yep. Because, I mean, you had those, remember, like, after season two? So it was just like, well, we'll get a, like, sometimes it was just two, two siblings. Sometimes it was three siblings. Sometimes... You know, I mean, when Rebecca was Rebecca was dipping in and out, you know, and it was just like the concept of the originals was family first. And I think after season two, especially once Rebecca started to, you know, kind of dip in and out, they lost that that kind of link. She's and, my favorite. Her and Elijah are my favorites. And yeah. they, they provide for me the heart and soul of the show. So when she's gone, a big component's missing for me. Yeah. And I think that by having, by in that bringing Rebecca back, you know, more or less half the time this season, bringing Cole back the majority of the season, I really think they went back to its roots. And even dealing with Marcellus, especially there was a really poignant scene between Klaus and Marcellus in which they kind of really talked through their issues, especially considering the season started with Klaus being held prisoner by Marcellus for five years. So I think it was a really good season finale. I think it, 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 it and, if, and to be honest, they didn't know at that time when it was filmed whether or not the show was going to get renewed. And I think it would have served as a pretty decent series finale too, if the show hadn't gotten renewed, but I like where they're going, where they could, where they could potentially go um, in season five by tying it into the Vampire Diaries and um, the special Stefan School for Gifted Youngsters. See, I'm wondering if we're going to get a spinoff from that. I mean, it, it just seems like a, a show called Mystic Falls and that's centered on the school for the gifted is something that you could do very easily. Um, but going back to the originals, I. I also thought that Elijah and Marcellus got a, their time because throughout the throughout the series, one of the threads has been that Marcellus and Elijah were often at odds because Elijah wasn't a big fan of Klaus adopting Marcellus and over the years, the role that Marcellus played in Klaus's life. And so to have Marcellus be the one who basically wipes Elijah's memory of his the original oath that he took to Klaus and Rebecca that was a nice touch I really liked how they did that I liked that the one of the final scenes was Elijah playing music in Paris and just enjoying life and you have Klaus who is one of the most self-centered people in all of primetime television being at the bar them their eyes locking elijah doesn't recognize him and klaus actually smiles and for one of the few times in the show's history he's not making it about klaus yeah. and i love that to me that was fantastic 
How did you feel about like uh, Freya and her 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 new lady for her werewolf lady friend? I like the idea because a witch and a werewolf together is fun. Freya has been one of those characters that I've I've grown to like her more with each progressing season because but because of the fact that she wasn't one of the original three she she doesn't hold as much meaning for me. I was more excited to have seen Davina back this season at towards the end of the season than I w- than I cared about Freya. And so I'm hoping to, that we get to see more of Davina next season too. Let's talk about another CW series for a second. How many of you guys have watched Supernatural? It's not a show that we discuss often on the show, but do you have you guys either watched some of it or still religiously watch it? Dan, Mel, Mo? I've watched a couple of seasons, a couple of the early seasons I watched, but I have not kept up with it, being that it's like 15 seasons now, so. Yeah, I haven't caught <laughs> any of it, um, and it's really intimidating, the fact that it's like just so crazy long. See, one of the things for me personally about Supernatural is the fact that now that I have been watching it for so many years, I can put it on my on my tv and not actually be watching the tv and know everything that's going on the exact same way that you can do soaps you do not have to see it because you've become so ingratiated with the characters you know exactly what is going on so as long as you know what the new season uh, the character of the season is you're pretty good so that's how i get through supernatural though i still watch it and record it and then I'll be playing a computer game or editing a podcast and I'll have it on in the background and that, and I still enjoy the storylines. This season was a really strong season. Having their mom come back, the Winchester's mom play a pivotal role was a great way to revitalize that show. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Mo, do you watch it at all? I haven't watched Supernatural in probably about four to five seasons. Um, Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I, just, I think it just fell victim early on to me for uh, too much television. Okay. Well, if this was the Daytime Confidential podcast and Jamie was on it, I would be telling you guys to get out your shot glasses because one of my favorite characters from another world... That it, still counts for this podcast. I just like to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my favorite characters was Cindy Harrison, who's played by Kim Rhodes. And on Supernatural, she's been a recurring character that pops up um, several episodes a season. She plays a sheriff. Um, and it looks like, according to Variety, that the CW is developing a possible spinoff called The Wayward Sisters. And according to Variety, the series would tell the story of Rhodes' character, Sheriff Jody Mills, and a group of troubled young women, all of them orphaned by supernatural tragedy. Under Mills' training and protection, these women will emerge as a supreme monster-fighting force. Other characters from Supernatural could also migrate to the new series. So I'm thinking in my head, we have a school for gifted children in Mystic Falls, and we have this women's school that is going to be done here. I think if if they, we were to get both of them on television, we could be in in for a lot of teen angst, which I have to sort of say, CW doesn't have as much teen angst as it used to, but it's all supernatural teen angst, and I'm there for supernatural teen angst, so I'm looking forward to this. I really hope it gets the go-ahead because... I have loved Kim Rhodes since Another World, and she just, I will watch anything she's in, except for that Nickelodeon or ABC Family series that she was in. That was just 
those kids were just too young. I couldn't follow that. But anyways, I'm looking forward to it. Before we talk about movies, uh, I want to just go over some quick premiere dates. We got the premiere date for Star Trek Discovery on CBS and then CBS All Access. It's going to premiere September 24th. Fox released its lineup, um, Lethal Weapon, which we don't really discuss on here, but if you haven't watched it, you really need to because it's a really fun show with lots of heart. Returns September 26th. The Orville, which is basically the Star Trek spoof, is going to be getting two previews on September 10th and September 17th, um, immediately after the NFL before it falls into its normal time slot on September 28th. Gotham returns on September 28th, and The Gifted, which is the new Marvel series, premieres on October 2nd. Of those, are there any that you guys are looking forward to most? Are you are Will you buy CBS um, All Access to be able to watch Star Trek? Mo? Well, I'm going to check out the preview, the preview of Star Trek, uh, for the Star Trek Discovery, first and then see how I feel about that going forward because I believe they're still going to show the first episode on CBS and then the rest of the episodes will be on CBS All Access like they did The Good Fight, correct? That's my understanding as well. Okay. But of the other list that you mentioned, I'm probably most in The Gifted because it is an X-Men show. I mean, they have X-Men characters in there. I'm really looking forward to an an X-Men team show um, not to take away from legion because that was a really good show as well i'm probably gonna gonna pass on at least fox's uh lineup just because the cw is basically taken over my week like soup between supergirl legends flash arrow riverdale uh black lightning like they 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 own my week now, and I don't know what to do about that. But uh, just hand them your eyeballs is what you're supposed to do. Hand ex- them your eyeballs. Exactly. You know, it's crazy. Greg Berlanti, you you've taken over my week. Mel, will you be tuning in in for any of those series? Um, probably The Gifted. I'll definitely give that a shot. I already have CBS All Access, so and that's mostly because of The Good Wife. So, um, yeah, probably The Gifted. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about movies. Uh, Wonder Woman has passed $300 million domestically, which is fantastic. Meanwhile, Transformers is not doing so hot. It's the least uh, profitable opening of any of the in the series. And I'll admit, as much as I have been a Josh Duhamel fan or Duhamel fan since all my children, he wasn't enough to get me to go watch this one, and I just couldn't bring myself to do it. The trailers all seemed like... It was the storyline was going to suck the I don't know. I just couldn't bring myself to watch it. Did any of you guys watch it? I haven't. No, I have no. No, I'm not going to. I I was on the set of the last one. That was fun. Uh, Oh, the previous one. Yeah, four. Um, They I was working downtown Chicago at the time and they had a bunch of blocks blocked off and helicopters going over. It was, it was crazy, but I like as bad as like this is doing in comparison to the others, it's still number one in the box office this week, which is crazy to think about when there's so many like good, like the big sick debuted in uh, select cities and wonder woman, while it's been three, four weeks, it's 
still running strong. You know, it just I, I want to say it just hit the record for the highest grossing film with a female director. So that's fantastic. I'm, I'm really looking forward to um, Baby Driver. Yes, I am with you there, Dan. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, an Edgar Wright movie that's coming out uh, next week, starring Kevin Spacey and uh, Jamie Foxx, John Hamm. Oh, wh- who's the main kid? Um, new, Ansel, Ansel Agort. Yeah, Ansel Agort, Ag- uh, Lily James, Luke. You you know her from uh, she she played Elizabeth Bennett in Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so it's like this big uh, driving heists, uh, gun, like this big old action movie. But Edgar Wright's putting a new spin on it, and it's it's great. The main character plays like a teenager who's basically half deaf, and he's like the most talented driver um, for like this heist crew and stuff. And it's. It's really interesting, and I'm looking forward to it because it's got a lot of big names and it's got a lot of buzz. The the movie that I'm really looking forward to is Atomic Blonde, and I can't wait for it. Every yes. single time I watch one of those trailers, I'm like, I am going to be in the theater opening weekend for Atomic Blonde. It looks so much fun. It's like a female James Bourne or a Jason Bourne. I can't believe I said James Bourne. Jason Bourne. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. Did you know that's based on a comic? It. I did not, but it does not surprise me because of the stylization of how, like, the way it looks and the logos and stuff. Like, instinctually, I may have thought in the back of my head that it could be, but I did not know it for fact. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Han Solo and Ron Howard. <laughs> Dan, I sent out the outline, and you were like, "I think we should, I think we should discuss Ron Howard taking over Han Solo." And I said, "I think it's in my outline." So obviously, this is important to you. What do you think of the news, Dan? I, I I thought it was really interesting. I you know, it's been it's been a little while since I've seen a Ron Howard production that was an arrested development. Uh because I am a massive arrested development fan and he he's just so good in that. Um but I'm I'm really looking forward to it. He always does a good job with uh action and stuff like that. From what I understand though, they they shot like a majority of the the movie already. So if he, he's just picking up the back third of the movie, like just as like a conservative estimate, I, I I'm interested to see what kind of impact he would have in post-production. Um, because that seems to be, if the movie was shot as much as we think it was, um, that would be where his impact would be felt the most. Well, and it's sort of like with the Justice League thing. They they're bringing in Whedon, and then like the reports are that they're they're not just doing reshoots; they're doing months worth of reshoots. That would be like a normal movie film, like set worth of reshoots. And that that's because really makes Josh you wonder. Whedon said, "Got in there and said, uh uh-uh, uh, nope, we ain't doing none of this. Redo it." <laughs> and, and after the success of Wonder Woman. At the, both critically and, and at the box office, I do not blame them. Can you just imagine Wheaton going in there and seeing everything they've shot and seeing the story and him going, wait, we're doing what? The story's going, what? Hell no. Nope. Redo it. We're doing it all over again. I just, that's what I see in my head. That's because, Mel, Snyder's scripts are a mess 
<laughs> yes, they are. No. So is his, so is most of his CGI. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. It, like he. Uh, he doesn't understand what can sell a movie, and it's so frustrating. Uh, he doesn't understand mm-hmm. character development either. No mm-hmm. character development, <laughs> uh, basic conversations between two human beings. Yep. A character motivation. with Michael Bay, but okay. <laughs> yes, those two on a movie together. Because here's my biggest problem with Michael Bay. Michael Bay can shoot the hell out of an action scene. It's going to be big. It's going to be loud. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be all of those things. But the story is not going to make one lick of sense. You can drive a truck through the pot, plot holes in a Michael Bay script, okay? It's not gonna and make it's going to have Transformers with balls climbing the, the pyramids. Okay? <laughs> it's going to be big. It's going to be loud. It's going to be like, whoa, this is so much. But underneath the surface, there's nothing going on. And that's a Zack Snyder film as well. So there we go. Do you know what would be great? Michael Bay doing a Green Lantern. Because I feel like that world is just like outlandish and crazy. No, no, no. Listen. No, 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 no. I am not a, I am not a big Green Lantern comic fan. But there are too many different Green Lanterns with too much individual personalities for either of those two directors to successfully produce character-driven Green Lantern storylines. It can just not happen. No. It would be, it'd be just like Transformers, where you got Decepticons and, and Autobots just smashing each other. It'd be like the Green Lanterns and the Yellow Lanterns just, and the Red Lanterns and the Blue Lanterns. They just start smashing each other up like they're a bunch of toys. I mean, it would just be a holy mess in outer space. No. No, but hell Thank no. Thank you. And uh, Mo, while I'm at, while we're on the topic of comic book movies, what did you think of their um, the fact that they had there had to be a spe- um, a very specific clarification on which part of the Sony Spider-Man universe and the Marvel Cinematic Universe are combined? I thought that was a little bit interesting. Well, I think it makes sense because think about it: that Sony is talking about a Venom movie. They're talking about a black cat in a silver sable movie. You don't want that that stuff bleeding over into the MCU because that could be a mess. Who you know? It, it's just even if Tom Hardy is uh, Eddie Brock. All of a sudden, Eddie Brock. Yes. Venom. Venom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, but but just just trying to line all that up would be a mess. It, I think they should just more or less treat it like the way they've been doing with the Marvel Television Universe, in which you know. They, at this point, they more or less ignore Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, the movies just more or less seriously de- just don't care anymore. But the, the films, the, uh, but the TV show tries to, like, a- a- uh, acknowledge or keep abreast of what's going on in the movies. It's super interesting to see, like, uh, it, how they're trying to define Spider-Man within the MCU and uh, Sony and stuff like that. In terms of like, okay, so Homecoming's coming out. There's a Venom movie coming, but that Venom movie, like they they announced this week that the villain for it's gonna be um, oh, Carnage. Oh, Carnage. Carnage. Yeah. So it, it it's really gonna depend on who they cast for Cassidy. Like <laughs> that that role, that that man doesn't have like any sort of like mental capacity for like logic. He's just all about the chaos. And so you, so in other words, Michael Bay would be perfect for him. No, 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 not for Cletus. Cletus Cassidy is, he is more or less 
and it's he's he's kind of this wannabe amped up Joker. I mean, it's just purely about chaos and just about just killing the kill. I mean, more so than what what Joker was in the in the comics in the '90s. Um, but but he's probably more like akin to like uh, Carnage should be more akin to uh, Dark Knight version of the Joker. Before we wrap this up, um, I went searching after last week's um, little weird science thing. I went and like looked for some other news. Jesus be and with this, this podcast. Oh no! And, <laughs> and this is this is not going to have any. This is not going to be in any relate, way, shape, or form related to Mickey, Mickey Mouse's sexual activities. But um, <laughs> oh. um, I was Welcome just going to. Listen, it was a scientific study that was recognized by Harvard. That's all I'm saying. We're going to um, burn. Well, I was going to ask, do you guys ever follow like the yearly ugliest world's ugliest dog contest? When like the photos come out when it's going on. Do, do any of you guys do that? Because like no. every year, though, it'll be like world's ugliest dog named. And then there will be this picture. And usually it's some sort of one of those naked looking dogs mixed with a chihuahua and then and has a tuff of hair and their eyes are all weird and their mouth is askew or something like that. And they're really ugly dogs. But this year, a mastiff by the name of Martha won it. And uh, according to uh, the owner... They said, or the fo- the person who's fostering it, she she's a 125 pound, drooling, snoring, gassy, loud, and silly girl, and she apparently won a $1,500 prize for being the world's ugliest dog, and a five foot fa- tall trophy. So, I was like, hmm, that's interesting. So we'll see. That's just a little bit of weird news in the wonderful world of nature, which sort of is a little bit geeky. I may be stretching a little bit, but that's okay. It's my podcast. Um, final thoughts. Final thoughts, Mel. We make the rules up as we go along. That's my final thought. From Dan, him, by the way. Dan, final thought. Mel stole my final thought. <laughs> well, that's because you've been listening to her for years say that about me on DC. Uh, well, no, I get that from fi- Jamie, but yeah. <laughs> Mo, any final thoughts? I was I thought I'd forgotten that um, we did, one thing that we didn't discuss was the Watchmen proposed Watchmen TV show. Uh, Damon Lindelof, who created Lost, is talking about bringing uh, Watchmen, the Zack Snyder film, because we've already talked about Snyder, uh, to oh. HBO and as a, as a TV show. So um, I'm I'm hoping that actual project gets. Get, uh, gets greenlit because I would like to see what a television version of Watchmen would would be because we all saw what Snyder did on the big screen. But but here's my question though, considering what's going on in the comics with the button, yeah, does that mean that HBO's version would be somehow connected to the Arrowverse no, or the CW? No, no, because all they because you can look at the source material between before Watchmen. That the, all of those miniseries, whether you love them, hate them, whatever, they garbage fire, whatever you want to consider them, and the original Watchmen series itself, if if you can turn um, American Gods, Neil Gaiman's novel, into a television series, I think with the right creative vision, you can turn Watchmen into a series. Now, the 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 Watchmen's original writer Alan Moore 
Now I'm sure he's gonna get on a he on a he's gonna be oh Grimstone's yeah gonna go crazy as shit over uh, sorry crazy over this. But you know I think it, it I think as a concept it would be interesting to see, especially since HBO needs another uh, marquee show now that Game of Thrones is winding down. Uh, on that note, we would encourage you to comment on this episode at uh, geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. You can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Luke underscore Kerr. Melody is at, at Melody Akles. Dan is Real Dan Pierce. And Mo is uh, Dr. Mo 77. Correct. Right? Yeah, correct. Got them all. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Bye, everybody. Make sure to get your pets spayed and neutered. <laughs> 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 <laughs>